And welcome to another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast here in the month of May for Show of the Month. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. It's good to be with you again. You and too. it's great to see uh, that the spring is coming on us full force. This is always an iffy time of year. Yeah. Um, you never know what's going to happen. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that we are focusing again on the Speaking For Him book club. We are doing our second book of the four that we chose uh, earlier in the year, and this book is our contemporary Christian fiction selection. It is The Chance by Karen Kingsbury, and we may or may not, by the time of this posting, have a video from Karen to the book club members that we can post with the blog. She is working on that, and we'll see how well that lines up. But moving right along, we want to get into our quote of the day before we get into our main segment. So, Adam, take it away. All right. And this right here comes from Mr. James Bryce. It says, the worth of a book is to be measured by what you can carry away from it. I just really like this quote because I I really do think that that's an important thing about it. And one of the things I've always liked about Karen Kingsbury's writing is she is a contemporary Christian novelist. But every time she writes, there is something practical that you can bring away from it and you can see yourself in the in the characters. You know, some people have a very uh, negative look at novels, but... I think that novels can be powerful tools in helping us. So I'm very pleased to recommend this book to you. And I have brought back my friend Naomi to help us discuss this book. So welcome back, Naomi. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we're going to uh, start out, and I'm just going to give a little bit of a a synopsis of the book. Uh, If I miss any plot points, that's what Naomi's here for. So. (laughs) But the basic premise of this story is it starts out um, kind of as a flashback because she puts dates in there. So it starts out um, when the two main characters are uh, teenagers, I think in 2002. And then um, it goes through uh, the breakup of one of the characters, Ellie's home, and her parents separate. We find out later in the book that they never actually do divorce, which becomes an interesting plot point later on. But they separate, and it really uh, makes problems for the two main characters because they basically grew up as best friends, and as they're about to part ways, they realize that they care a great deal for one another and wish that they had more time to have more than friendship. But they decide before they part ways, uh, and this was this was Nolan's idea. Nolan is is the uh, young man in the story. Nolan had this idea that he wanted them to write letters to one another and bury a box underneath their favorite oak, and then they would be able to they would be able to come back in eleven years and read the letters and meet up again if they, in fact, stayed separate. Now, they weren't planning to because they were planning to stay in contact, but a variety of events conspired to help that not happen. And 
they do eventually have a reunion. Um, and I don't want to give away too much more than that before we get into talking specifics. But that, uh, in a nutshell, is the book The Chance. And it just it's a good story about friendship. And I, I, and I really think about true love because I think uh, a lot of times we think of love as just romantic, warm fuzzies and, you know, all these great feelings that I have one another, that I have for another person. But you really see in this book how love is a choice. Love is a decision. And if it's true love, then you stick it out even through tough times. So uh, moving right along, let's uh, let Naomi... Uh, get in here and uh, Naomi do you have anything that you'd like to say about your overall impressions of this book uh just it is somewhat of a sad story um, and I think it's also a story of redemption they um, there's a lot of forgiveness in the, the story and so and uh, there's there's <laughs> definitely some surprises too some yeah. surprising character arcs that happen. One one particular character that I was surprised how much I liked by the end was the mom, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even though she did make some mistakes, um, she allowed God to work in her to kind of redeem her situation. And as we go through this, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But my favorite character uh, has to be Nolan. Uh, Nolan is the young man in the story and he really appreciates Ellie. Uh, They're basically best friends before she moves away and uh, she kind of distances herself from him because of her dad and his expectations. And, but he, for 11 years, he seeks to find her um, and he never gives up on her, even though he could have been easily justified in going about his life. And, you know, finding someone else and having a new path. He never gives up on Ellie. And everybody Mm -hmm. around him knows how much he cares about her. And I think that's an important lesson. Because if we care about someone, especially within the marriage relationship, but even within other family relationships, one of the best ways you can show people that you care about them is to talk about them to others. Um. Because then if it gets back around to that person, that can be a real morale booster. I know it has been uh, to me when I hear that my parents have have bragged on me and then it gets back to me from the person that, that they bragged to. That's always a good feeling because it shows me that my parents um, are proud of me in a way that just private comments wouldn't do. So I really think that that is actually an important lesson in this book, um, that he never lost his his love and concern for her, and everybody around him knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, what was what was your favorite character? I actually had two, Ryan and Molly. Um, they just are a short part in the story, but I thought their part of the story really shows that when you walk by faith, uh, great things can happen because... They really took a step forward not knowing what a big impact they would have on the lives around them. Interesting side note, too. If you have read her other books, and if you've read the book that came before this, both of these books are standalone, but actually Ryan and Molly as characters were the center 
central characters to the previous book. Because um, they mention in the book the bridge bookstore, and the previous book was the bridge, and it was about their relationship and their relationship with the bookstore. So I thought that was an interesting thing that it didn't have to be part of a series, but it kind of harkened back to the, the previous book. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she'll do that with her next standalone, but I guess I'll find out. All right, so do you have a least favorite? I'm smiling, but <laughs> you all can't see that. Cause, <laughs> um, Peyton Andrews, he's kind of hard to like. I mean, to a point you feel sorry for him because obviously he... He only has himself, but that's all he loves is himself. And yeah, I, I thought his character was interesting in the fact that they didn't really have a redemption for him. Right. There's a lot of redemption and involvement in this. His, his There's redemption in Ellie's life. There's redemption of sorts in, in Logan's life because he's able to – or Nolan's life because he's able to uh, to make a – keep a promise that he made to his father. Um, there's redemption – in the mom's life and even in the dad's life. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the if the book had ended differently, I would have told you that, that her dad was my least favorite character um, because he was, he was all about uh, legalism and doing things by the letter, but he had no heart behind his, uh, his requirements of others. And I, and I, I think that's probably one of the biggest themes here is, is law versus grace. Mm-hmm. How they need to be balanced because the law is important. Doing right is important. But having the right motives and knowing the right reasons for doing right is most important. So uh, so truth seems to be an important part of the story. Reflecting on truth in the context of this novel, what is important about speaking the truth? I'll let you lead. All right. <laughs> well... I just I I think I kind of alluded to it in the previous question, but there are we should always speak the truth. But sometimes it's about time and place, and sometimes it's about delivery. You know, when I was in college, I took a, several communications courses because that was my major, and one of the interesting things that I read in one of my books that I've never forgotten since is they say that only ten percent of communication is verbal. That leaves 90% that is dependent on body language and facial expressions and all these other things so that you can decide how you come across. And so sometimes, especially when we're fighting uh, a spiritual battle and dealing with hot button issues, um, if I can digress a little bit, even though this is a book club episode, you know, I've talked frankly and candidly about the issues of abortion and of, of same-sex marriage and things that really need to be addressed from a biblical perspective. But you can address them in love. You can address them in love and still be called a hater. But you can choose to address them in love or you can choose to address them like, I'm so much better than you, it's not even funny. And I've seen the disaster. I've seen people do both. And I know there's a marked difference. So that really came through to me because uh, there were some things that her dad on the surface was right about. Ellie's dad was right about. But the way that he dealt with it was not in a loving manner. And he he drove his wife and his daughter away from him because he 
because of his attitude. And it took him a long time to realize that. But it's one of the sweetest parts in the novel when he does realize that because then redemption can start to happen. And uh, I think it's an exciting thing. Uh, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I just, um, I think following what you were saying about Alan, the dad, is that he comes across as almost accusing them of doing it and they haven't actually done anything. And so I think that discourages them instead of encourages them. He doesn't encourage them for righteousness. And to the point where eventually they start doing some of the things that he was accusing them in the first place because it gets to the point of where, well, if they're accusing me of it, then maybe I might as well go and do it, which is not a recommended (laughs) approach, but it can happen when Mm -hmm. things are addressed in a wrong way. One of the interesting things was in this book, I'm just going to be frank. The mom has an affair on her husband, and that's one of the reasons why he throws her out. However, it's interesting that as the book goes on, he comes to the point where he says, the dad is saying this now, that it was his fault because of the way he treated his wife drove him to that point. And I just really think that's refreshing because I... I think that in most cases where there's a marriage breakup, there's blame that can be uh, that can be given to both sides. It's mm-hmm. very rarely a one-sided thing. Mm-hmm. Communication takes at least two. And so when there's breakdown on one side or the other, things go bad. So, And it's not a 50-50 proposition either. It's a 100-100. So just some side thoughts about the themes of this. Uh, novel and then and then I will let Naomi go first with this one um, well uh, did you have any um, additional thoughts on Alan and Caroline the mom and the dad in the novel mom and dad of Ellie and their marriage and how that was depicted yeah they become a house divided he's very much about his work to the point where he lives on base uh, all week so that he can, well, if I do this, then I'll get further in my work and it'll be good. Um, And then she turns her focus to their daughter. And once their daughter is older and uh, doesn't need her so much, um, she doesn't turn back to her husband because, in a way, he's gone. Even though he's there, he's not around. And so that... I think is kind of what leads her to look for um, affection and communication elsewhere. Not that it's okay, no. but I, you kind of can yeah. see that developing. Well, exactly, and we're, and we're not talking about justification here, but a lot of things that we need to rectify in the Christian life, it's not about saying, well, this was the justified reason why I did it, but understanding the reasons behind why people do things can help can help you bring them to healing and redemption. I really believe that. That's true. And so it's important to think about these things in a frank way. And um, how did this affect Ellie? Well, I don't think Ellie knew what to do because she didn't want to go against her dad and go with her mom, but her dad wasn't giving her affection either. You know, they... 
they left so that her dad could take another job and her mom just went about her life and she, you know, she was kind of caught in the middle and so she distanced herself from her dad as well. And like we talked about earlier, she kind of started doing some of the things that her dad was accusing her of doing uh, anyway because it wasn't worth trying to please him because she said, I will never please my father. And that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with too. And even I have at some points where I felt like nothing, you know, will, will please him. But I've, I've, things have gotten a lot better in my relationship with my father. And that's one thing that I want to say too, is that, is that you have to decide if you are willing to work on relationships, even if the other person doesn't express willingness, you have to decide for yourself that you're going to do what you can do to live peaceably with other people. Because, um, I heard this recently that unforgiveness is like drinking a bottle of poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. You know, you think that you're, you're making it rough on the other person by being unforgiving and being bitter. But really what you're, all you're doing is, you know, you're stewing and you're letting things fester. It's like having an infection that you don't dress or take care of, you know, it's bad. So it's important for us at least to, as much as we can to come to a point of forgiveness have an attitude of forgiveness at least. And, um, was there anything more you wanted to say about that? Uh, I just, I had written down that Ellie becomes very bitter. And children see their father as, when they're little, as that's their image of God in their mind. And I think that's why later um, she thinks that, well, there can't be a God later, but I think she gives up on her face somewhat because she thinks, well, there's no forgiveness. There's no hope. I don't have it with my own father. And because um, she talks about, later that she doesn't believe that God exists at all. And, mm-hmm. um, Which I have to say, well, while we're on the subject, that if there's one nitpicky thing that I have with Karen's writing, it's that. Um, because I don't think that a true born-again Christian can really get as far to the point of believing there's no God Mm -hmm. and not caring what he thinks as Karen's characters often do. I understand the point that she's trying to make because, you know, because I've had times in my life where bitterness drove me far away from God, where I didn't want to talk to him, where I was angry with him, but I never got to the point of saying, I don't even know if God exists. Right. I only ever got to the point of saying, I'm so angry with him. I don't want to go to church right now. I don't want to be around his people. But it was never a situation where I felt like he wasn't there or that he didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And that might be just splitting hairs, but that was my perception in reading pretty much uh, all of her novels is that that's one recurring theme that I don't necessarily resonate with, but I understand the point that was trying to be made. Right. All right. Here's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> Talk about Peyton Anders. Well, first of all, let me just say, by way of introduction, that I thought that that he was going that that the redemption story was going to include him. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I thought at least he'll um, get into a place where he's allowed to meet his son. Uh, they don't necessarily have to develop it that much. So, by the way, just backtracking a little, when the mom has the affair, she does get pregnant with this man's baby. So that's part of the issue because the her husband doesn't want to raise another man's child, so he kicks her out. But anyway, the one of the interesting things that happens um, is that he... Um, he gets to a point where he starts feeling guilty about what happened, how he used this this lady that he knew was married for his own gratification and then just kind of dropped her like it didn't matter. And uh, so, you know, there were some interesting discussions um, between him and another character about how God can work through the roughest situations, you know, all through the Bible, God works through imperfect people who um, are flawed, but he uh, gets the glory. And uh, he's in the process of uh, remaking people's lives. matter of fact, there's a verse in one of the prophets that says that he will restore the years the locusts have eaten. So there's hope for people that want to get right for right with God. If you have made a shambles of your life to this point, God can redeem you. Uh, did you have any um, observations about this particular character? Uh, just that his love for Caroline is very shallow, fair weather. And it was really hard for me because she is such a sweet character in the book. I mean... Um, I had a really hard time when I was reading those parts, not getting angry. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a book. It's a book. <laughs> yeah, I find um, myself the same way. Yeah, because he's just very, he just casts her aside, and that was just kind of hard. But, yeah, I was thinking, too, especially when uh, Ryan comes into the picture that, okay, this is this is where she's going to take, you know, um, Peyton Andrews down the road of... Um, Asking for forgiveness and, like you said, redemption. But maybe in the next book. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Uh, But the interesting thing I found about Caroline's character, too, the mom, is that after she goes through this, she goes through a period where she's trying to decide what to do. And she decides that no matter what happens, she's going to own up to her mistakes. She's going to trust God and she's going to raise the son that came out of this relationship and uh you know when when the foot when the fat when the flash forward in time comes a few chapters later and they're in 2013 so essentially modern day we see a very different caroline one that is still um separated from her husband but she's not involved with anybody else and she's really about the business of raising her son and she's teaching him to love and honor God. And I thought that was uh, very exciting, uh, very good way to write the character because I kind of thought that that uh, Ellie would catch up with her and find her in a gutter somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what I, what I thought was going to happen. But I, I really like that because it shows that even with bumps in the road and mistakes that we make, we can still live uh, full on for God and, and make a difference. 
So, um, she determines to raise her son John uh, in the church and teach him about God. And uh, so I thought that was really good. Did you have any observations about that particular aspect? I think it's... um John is like a ray of sunshine in Caroline's life, um, and he's the blessing that came out of, you know, God says that he can take something bad and make it good. And um, I also like that she doesn't hold any bitterness toward him. Um, We often hear of people that, like you were saying, that, well, I don't want this child because then it will make me think. And she sees him completely separate and loves him Unconditionally. Okay. Um, so what do you think about Ellie and Nolan's relationship and how it develops through the novel? Naomi? Um, they start out as friends. And like you said later, they end up falling in love with one another. Um, they kind of remind me of what C.S. Lewis was talking about, that when you meet someone, which is like how he met his wife. They were friends writing back and forth. Um, and then they ended up falling in love, and he was saying that that's the best kind, if you can be friends first and then fall in love. And so that's what it made me think about, that um, they would have the best kind of marriage, because they were, first they were friends, and then fell in love with one another. And like you said, Nolan has a very unconditional love for Ellie. Um, she's afraid when she comes back that he's going to reject her, and he doesn't at all. And so I thought that was really sweet and, um, yeah. Yes, because in the interim of years, she got involved with somebody Mm -hmm. um, out of wedlock, and she had a baby, Kinsey, who I think was was definitely one of those little blessing characters. And it was so fun because I, having nieces and nephews now, I just kept thinking of them when I would read her parts of the book because... The way they respond to life is much the way that this character did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and how she always prayed for her mom to find her happily ever after in Jesus. That, to me, will stick in my head for for quite a while. Um, but the thing that I wanted to say about the relationship aspect is, some people will say, this is a book, you can write it however you want, so it's unrealistic. But I actually think that it's more realistic than a lot of love as we define it today. Because we have this this idea, like I heard some people that were working with my youth group when I was a teenager. Um, one guy said, well, I had another girlfriend before my wife, but we decided that we were too good of friends to get married. <laughs> and that always left me scratching my head because my vision for my future marriage is that I would marry my best friend and that it would deepen our relationship because of our ability to marry. So I just think that the whole idea of friendship developing in the marriage is definitely a good way to go. I think that if you, if you're looking for the romance right off the the bat, you might be looking at the wrong thing Mm -hmm. because when we marry somebody, we need to be looking at their inner qualities, the things that, that make them godly, And the things that are enduring about them. And that's so much more important than 
how they how they look in that new dress that they bought. Although that's not bad either. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But <laughs> Finding a good but you can dislike that There is that a balance. <laughs> yeah. There is a balance. Yeah. So I I really thought that that was just a good picture of unconditional love and the love that God has for us. He doesn't cast us off. Um, he's always there to pick us up when we fall down and to welcome us back when we move away from him. There's an old poster that my dad told me about, and it said, are you feeling far away from God? Guess who moved? Mm-hmm. Basically talking about it, that it's us that moves away from God, but God said to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Did you have any thoughts on Oh, uh, just that their love for one another esteems the other higher. They're always talking about how they hope that the other person is happy when they're apart. They're always thinking, oh, I hope they're happy. I hope that they have this. Mm-hmm. And they're always putting that other person first. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this in just a second. But I but I wanted to um, talk really quickly about the journey that Alan takes in this book this is the dad character mm-hmm. uh, because i think it it is it's one of the more poignant things about the book because in the beginning i'm thinking he's a godly man who is about to get really bad news that's kind of what i thought but as it went on i was like it's kind of like when i was talking about rochester when we were talking about jane Eyre. like he's not that likable of a character only and so it was kind of the same journey like you get to like him as it goes on and as it gets to the end you really get to like him cuz he he does business with God he's honest he's mm-hmm. honest about the fact that he he was a jerk and he does doesn't deserve God's grace but that's exactly what grace means mm-hmm. Did you have any additional thoughts I feel like in the beginning he doesn't have a personal relationship with the Lord like he knows the Lord but he doesn't know him um and i feel too that he's very insecure and he keeps putting the laws around to keep his house in order and to create a security that can't be found that way it can only be found which later we see where he comes and he prays and basically lets go of trying to keep everything you know perfect and right and he's just trusting the lord and i feel like that's when he really starts to um, be able to heal and forgive and love and go forward. I also wanted to say about Caroline, too, that she had written a letter every week to her daughter after they were separated. And the father was keeping all those letters for years until he finally, after he gets right with God, he is compelled to give her this box of letters. And then she realizes that her mom really did care about her because she went through her whole life thinking that her mom didn't care. Oh, wow. And that that's why she left. So that was another plot point. Well, I think this has been a good discussion. Uh, I think that people should read this book. Um, you know, there's a there's a quote that's in a lot of her books. In the beginning, they have quotes from readers. And one of them says that books are like many vacations and Karen's are my favorite. And I would echo similar statements that I really like the true-to-life characters that Karen brings out. And so I would recommend this book and hope that you pick it up from your bookstore or uh, grab a copy at your library and check it out. And then also be aware of our next book that we're going to cover, uh, which is uh, 
Made for His Pleasure by Alistair Begg. This is going to be a little bit more of a serious discussion as it is a nonfiction uh, spiritual growth title. Um, so, But I'm looking forward to another discussion with Naomi. In the future, I'd like to do some possible Google Hangouts about the book so that we can hang out with some of you in the audience and talk about the book and then come back uh, after a few of those throughout the reading of the book and come back and do podcasts. But we thank you for being here again today, Naomi. Thank you for having me. And I'm just so grateful to be able to share this with you and to give you some good reading material for the weekend. Uh, For the Speaking for Him podcast, this is Andrew Gamison, your host, along with your co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt, uh, saying to you, have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters.